Yes, Lord, we worship you this morning. You are great, you are mighty, you are awesome, and you rule and reign on your throne. Lord, open our eyes this morning. Let us see the truth of your word as we study it verse by verse. God, open our hearts. Teach us in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God. If you agree with that prayer, please say amen. Amen, amen. You may have a seat. Great to see everyone in Calvary Chapel, Irmo, this morning. So thankful that you're here. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And before we open up in our verse-by-verse teaching, I want you to specifically look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 35. I want to open it up with this, this verse of Scripture. Matthew thirteen thirty-five. Right in the middle of these parables, Matthew gives us some commentary from the Old Testament, from specifically Psalm 78. He said, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, here it is, from Psalm 78, verse 2, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. When I read that verse this week and I was studying, that just grabbed me. Because he's he's quoting from, from King David from the Psalms, and he's saying that the parables are words from secrets from the foundation of the world. You know what that means? These are eternal words. They're everlasting words. Does that grip your heart? Does, it, does that not cause your heart to say, man, I want to understand this. I want to grow. I want to figure out what Jesus is saying here in these parables because they're amazing biblical eternal truths from the, before the foundation of the world. They they are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what can we take into eternity? Nothing in this life except Christ and his word. And what we're going to see in the text this morning, one of the things I'm going to be teaching and preaching on is, is making Christ our treasure. Is Christ your treasure? Is there anything in this world you love more than him? then your eyes aren't open. My eyes aren't open if Christ is not first and I don't treasure him most. So I pray this morning that the Spirit opens our hearts to see the treasure and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He's the king and the ruler reigning on the throne. Fall in love with him. Believe in him. Trust in him. Live for him. He's that worthy. Amen? Amen. Let's turn. Let's let's. So let's look at Matthew chapter thirteen. We're going to be skipping around a little bit in Matthew chapter thirteen because we've already looked at the parable of, of the tares. Okay, the tares and the wheat, and we had to jump around because Jesus skips passages by explaining it. So this morning we're going to start off in Matthew chapter thirteen, verse thirty-one. But just by way of reminder, parables are earthly stories with a spiritual meaning. Okay with an eternal meaning. And all you and I have to do is open our hearts to God's word, open our heart to his eternal truths, and let these eternal truths that we look at this morning just cover your mind and cover your heart because that's what you and I can take into eternity. 
in our relationship with him. In these parables, we're going to see a couple things. We're going to see the expansion and the growth of Christianity. And then we're also going to see, as I was talking about a while ago, the treasure of Christ, the beautiful treasure of Christ. So with that said, Matthew chapter 13, let's read verses 31 through 32. And here we're looking at the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the mustard seed. Verse 31 says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So first here off, we have the mustard seed. Has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? They are very tiny. They are very small. They're about the size of a tip of a pencil. They're very small herbal seed. But when they are planted and they're cultivated, they grow. And they grow and they expand. And they become very, very large is what, is, is what a mustard seed does in this world. So that's the physical analogy. But the spiritual truth is this. What he's talking about is the growth of Christianity. I believe he's talking about two things here, but the first one I believe he's talking about that we could uh, make application of is the growth of Christianity. What started off with 12 disciples answering the call to follow Christ has today, according to LifeWay.com, has now 2.56 billion people in the world follow the Lord Jesus Christ, claim to be believers in Christ and followers of the Lord Jesus And it all started there in Israel 2,000 years ago with these 12 disciples. So we see Christianity growing. Christianity grows because spirit-led believers obey the Great Commission. You know, they, they, they obey and they take Christ's word serious when he says, Go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So who is driving the growth of Christianity? Who's causing this mustard seed to grow into a tree? The Lord Jesus Christ, through his Spirit, through the body, through our witness, through us spreading the kingdom of God around the world. Christianity does not spread by mere human will. It spreads by the Holy Spirit empowering believers to take the gospel throughout the world. And so we see in Scripture and we see throughout history, Christianity is constantly growing. Okay? And it's, not, it's, it's growing because you and I are cooperating and we're submitting to the Lord, but ultimately it's growing and it's spreading Because the Holy Spirit is driving forward the kingdom of God through the church, through believers, through Christians. So we need to do our part. We need to be a witness. We need to disciple. We need to challenge people. We need to uh, sow the seed of the word. We need to be a part of that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, causing Christianity to grow. But there's a second application that I I wanted to dive into for a minute. Because in verses 31 through 32, we see the mustard seed becoming a tree. And that also makes me think of the growth of the believer. It it makes me think of the the growth of the Christian in this life. You know, in the beginning of of my faith in 1992, 
my faith was like a mustard seed. I did not fully understand the doctrines of propitiation, justification, sanctification, glorification. The only thing that that 21-year-old David knew in 1992 was that, that I was a sinner, Jesus loved me, and he died for me. That was all I knew in the beginning. My faith was like a little mustard seed. My faith was limited in content like a mustard seed. But over the years, I have grown. And my hope and my prayer that from the conception of your faith, the conception of you being born again, though your faith start off as a little mustard seed, that it grows like a tree. Because that's what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to just stay at first base. He wants you to go to second base, sanctification. He wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to understand propitiation, sanctification, justification, glorification, eschatology. Those are the beauties of Christianity. It's studying what the Bible says about these subjects. How would you describe your faith? You, you examine yourself right now. You think about it yourself. How would you describe your faith today? Is your faith a mustard seed or is it a tree? Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. You know, I've been serving the Lord now for 30 years. And I tell all believers, whether they're one-day-old Christian or a 10-year-old Christian, you will always be growing in this life. You will always be growing. But where are you at on the spectrum? Are you like that tree planted by the water from Psalm chapter 1? Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. Are you planted by the rivers of water? You say, Pastor David, what's the rivers of water? The rivers of water is being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and being filled with the living water of the truth of God's word. Are you growing like that tree? Let your faith grow from being a mustard seed to being a tree. Throughout the New Testament, we're encouraged over and over and over to grow in our faith, okay? You don't just accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, check the box, and then go on about your life in this natural world. In your faith, you're constantly growing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. So we're to grow in grace. We're to grow in knowledge. We're to grow in the word. We're to build our life up so that we can serve Christ, so that we can love Christ, so that we can obey Christ, and so that we can make Christ the ultimate treasure of our life. Peter would also go on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. I'm going to tell you, the interstate to growing, the, the fast way to grow in your faith is doing what you're doing right now, is studying scripture, is studying the Bible. And don't just trust in your pastor, okay? You need to be reading the Bible for yourself. Monday through Saturday. You need to spend time in the Word. Get you some good commentaries. Uh, get some good resources. There's a lot of great teaching out there that you can listen to. But be in the Word for yourself and grow and grow and grow. Let's look at the next one. The next parable is called the Parable of Leaven. And that starts in 
Verse 33, the very next verse. Now, this parable is just one verse. Just one verse. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you my take. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. You know, here in this verse, now there's different interpretations of this verse, but I'm going to give you my take. Uh, here, leaven is not talking about sin like it is referred to in other passages. Look closely at verse 33. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That key phrase there, there's nothing sinful about heaven. But there are other passages of scripture where leaven is referred to as sin. This here, I believe, is another parable talking about the growth and the expansion of Christianity, kind of continuing the same thought pattern. In Jewish culture, when a daughter was getting married, the mother would give her a small piece of leavened dough from a batch of her own bread. From that gift of leaven, the bride would bake bread for her own household throughout her married life. It was meant to give forward and to take on so it could be expanded. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is passed down from generation to generation through our children and through the people that we come in contact with the people that we have influence with. That's how Christianity spreads, okay? It spreads through us, teaching others, teaching our family. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, uh, Scripture says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And then verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's what we do with our faith. That's what we do with the word of God. We pass it down to our children and we touch people around us with the truth of God and the truth of his word. Are you passing the truth of God and his word to those around you? Are you passing the truth of God on to your children and to those people around you? That's what God calls us to do, to share our faith most importantly with our family, but then with those people around us. That's what I believe he's talking about here, this leaven spreading, this, this leaven spreading and continue to spread. I believe that's what he's getting at. And then he says in verse 34, um, Matthew says, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter Things kept secret from the foundation of the world. I love that phrase there, by the way, in verse 35. Secrets from the foundation of the world. Basically what Jesus is saying here is, these words of mine, the parables, as all, all of prophecy, all of scripture, are, are eternal words. They're, they're words 
from the mouth of God. They, they are eternal words spoken from eternity into time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for correction, for training, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Greek word is, is theonostos. It means breathed out by God because God's words are eternal. You know, we live in time, space, where things are constantly changing. The culture, culture is constantly changing. Definitions are constantly changing. Everything's constantly changing. But the one thing that's eternal and the sure foundation for your life and for our world is the eternal, unchanging word of God that, that are the secrets from the foundation of the world or, as I would call them, eternal truths. Eternal truths are what we build our life on, believer. They, they, they are the foundation of serving Christ and knowing what's right and wrong and what's truth and what's error. Build your life upon Scripture. Build your life upon the Word of God. Jesus said, uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. The universe as we know it out there, it will crumble into pieces before one letter or one word from Scripture fails because God's Word will not fail. It is our sure foundation. Then he continues. Now, now let's skip down to verse 44. We've already talked about the parable of the, uh, the wheat and tares. Skip down to verse 44. We're hitting the parables that we didn't have last week. The last two Sundays, we did a parable each Sunday. I don't know if you remember that. Last Sunday, we did one parable. The Sunday before that, we did one parable. Today, you're getting bonus. You're getting five parables today. So let's, let's look at this next parable. The next parable is called the parable of the hidden treasure. There's a little caption above mine. And it says in verse 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. In this parable, what we see is the value of a relationship with God. We see the value of what, of what a relationship with God is like. He is our treasure. Psalms 119.162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. When you open up your Bible, you're opening up his word. Is this beautiful treasure that we get to study. And I can't think of a better way to do church. I can't think of a better way as a pastor than to meet with my brothers and sisters on Sunday morning and to study the treasure chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And let's just pull the treasures out and build our life with the treasures that we see in the Word of God. And of course, now, the treasure is the Word of God. But the ultimate treasure beyond the Word of God is, the, is what the treasure of God's Word points you to. And what is that? That is the treasure of Christ. The treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ in Him dwelling inside of you. Your faith in Him which is more precious than gold, more precious than silver, is, is the most beautiful thing that you can have in this life. When you discover Christ and rightly understand the gospel, it will rid you of tradition. It will rid you of tradition. It will rid you of religion. You will see the reality of Christ. 
And you will treasure him more than anything because he's that amazing. He will be more valuable than anything this world has to offer. More valuable than fame. More valuable than wealth. More valuable than your own family. More valuable than the air you breathe. Family, he's given us eternal life. He's forgiven you of all your sin. He's clothed you in righteousness. He's that amazing. He's that amazing. He is that awesome. He is truly our treasure. That's the reason why we study the word, why we come to church, is because we see the beautiful treasure of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, we, we got to understand who Christ is. We, we got to understand, have a good theology of Christ. Because once we understand him and we understand that treasure, that the beauty of who he is, what will happen when you naturally understand that with your mind and your heart and some help from the Holy Spirit? You will make Christ your treasure. You know, it's difficult to make Christ your treasure when you don't understand him as the treasure. But when you understand all the benefits that come with believing and trusting in Christ, it becomes your treasure. Honestly, and I speak for myself, I put myself at the front of this line, and I hope you would too. I believe what we all need is the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to help us see the true treasure of Christ. Because once you get that right, everything else, it just falls into place because he's so beautiful and he's so magnificent. You know, when you understand where you were before Christ, that you were under God's wrath, you were under God's judgment, you were heading for hell and not heaven, but then Christ. Christ comes into your life, forgives you of all your sin, gives you love, joy, peace, gives you righteousness, gives you this beautiful life. You're like, wow, he is truly amazing. He is truly amazing. Now the next parable, verse, pick it up at verse 45, is going along uh, the same thought process as verse 44. Verse 44 was the hidden treasure. Now it's the, the pearl of great prize. So look at verse 45. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, this parable is like the parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus is the pearl of great prize, kind of going on the same thought process. He is our most prized possession. He is what we value most in life. He is the only possession that you and I will take into eternity, okay? You know, what is your most prized possession in life? You know, I think about, I think about the things that I love and things I enjoy. I think about my boat. I think about that nice Minn Kota trolling motor I put on there and that nice Lawrence fish finder. And, and I really enjoy fishing. I really enjoy putting nice things on my boat and, and fishing because it, it is one of my treasures Think about the things that you enjoy in life. Maybe your hobbies, things you do. You know, what, where do they stand in comparison to the treasure of Christ? To, to the preciousness and the sweetness and, and how wonderful Christ is. You know, I, I enjoy my boat. I enjoy my hobbies. I enjoy my things. But the thing that I enjoy 
key word there, enjoy the most, is serving Christ and believing in him and trusting in him because he is so good. He is the pearl of great prize. He is the most magnificent one. And notice, look at the end of verse 44. Notice both endings of both parables. The, the hidden treasure and the pearl parables. At verse 44, look at the very end. It says, for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now skip down to verse 46. It says, again, the same phrase again, just worded a little bit differently. He went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's very important in both of these parables. So what does that mean? That means that you let nothing stand in the way of serving Christ. That means you, you make him the treasure and you let nothing stand in the way. And if there is anything in your life that Christ is not pleased with, you repent without hesitation. You repent without hesitation. He's that valuable to you. You love him and cherish him that much. That much. If there's anything in your life that's not pleasing, you let it go. You love him so much, there's nothing you're not willing to give up for him. That was the faith of the disciples. That was the faith of the Apostle Paul. That is the faith that the New Testament epistles describe. Paul says, I can, talking about Judaism in Philippians, I believe it's chapter 2, talking about uh, his heritage, his past. He said, I consider it all now as rubbish compared to the value of knowing Christ. He was talking about all of his past religious experience, all of his tradition, all of his religion. He considered it all as rubbish. The Greek word for rubbish there in Philippians is skybalon. You know what that means? Horse dung. That was the value that Paul the value that he had towards Christ, he considered everything else as skybalon, as rubbish, because Christ was such a great and magnificent treasure. Now, if you're honest, you're like, whew, that's deep, that's heavy. I don't know that I treasure Christ that much. We'll go back to what I talked about in the beginning, the mustard seed or the tree. Here's what, here's what God wants to happen in your life. He wants you to grow. Nobody completely cherishes and treasures Christ as much as he is worthy to be treasured. You don't, I don't. But he calls us to go deeper in our love and our commitment to him and treasuring him. So don't let this lift your spirit. Let this cause you to say, leaving here, I am going to treasure Christ more. I'm going to study and meditate on his word and pray and ask the spirit. Say, spirit, change my heart. Help me to love and cherish Christ more than anything else. Amen? Okay, our final parable is found in verse 47. This is called the parable of the dragnet. He says, again, the the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth. 
separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So here we have the parable of the dragnet. So my thoughts when I read this passage, when he talks about the dragnet in verse 47, I see that as a picture of the gospel saturation of the world. Okay? That is, that is God in his sovereignty, in his power, making sure that the gospel gets all the way around planet Earth and that every man, woman, and child has an opportunity to see, understand, repent, and turn to Christ through supernatural revelation, through general revelation of creation, through the revelation of Scripture. All men and people are given the opportunity. Notice in verse 48, he says, which which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So this dragnet I see as a picture of a, you ever heard of a seine net fishing? Ever heard of a seine net? Me and my dad used to go down to Charleston, go down to the marshes where the oyster beds were and the creeks were running the saltwater creeks were running through the marshes, and we would get out there fully clothed in our pants and boots and clothes, and we would go out there with a rectangular net, and we would run, walk through the creeks. And this net, what it would do is it would capture all the shrimp, all the fish, and by the time we got to the very end, I mean, we were war slap out because we were dragging the same net up onto the shore, and you have to hold it just right. If you, if you turn the stick upwards, it'll let your catch out. But if you hold it at an angle, it'll, it forms a nice oval, and it brings all your catch up onto the shore. So we would bring all this up onto the shore, and it'd have all this fish and all this shrimp. And so we would sit there, have to sit there and go through each one and throw all the fish back and keep all the shrimp. And that's this, that's this picture of this same net that, that, that they are pulling up on shore. It says, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, and they threw the bad away. So it's the same picture as the same net that we would use when fishing, or a lot of people when, when you uh, shrimp. But then verse 49, he says, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Last week, we, we went extensively talking about the doctrine of hell, talking about eternal suffering. But the, and if you want to hear more about that doctrine, go back and listen to last Sunday's message. But verse 49 and 50, with the same net, with the casting net, the, uh, the drag net, this cast out, there will be a final judgment. There, there, there will be a final judgment that all men whether believers or unbelievers, all will stand before God and give an account. Christians will stand before what we call the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And in that, you're, you're, you're not judged for your sin because your sin was dealt with at the cross, but you will be evaluated on how you lived your life. But the unbeliever, on the other hand, he or she will stand before the great white throne of judgment. You know, if, if, if we wake up on the other side and there's a big white throne, Something, didn't, something wasn't done right. And we don't want that. Put your trust in Christ. You don't want to wake up and see the great white throne. You want to see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory. But there's the great white throne of judgment, which the unbelievers will stand before God, and they will be judged 
for their sin. And then, so that's the parable of the, of the dragnet. I believe the parable of the dragnet, in my summation, is, is just it's a picture of the gospel going throughout the entire planet. And every man, woman, child, every tribe, every person having the opportunity to understand and turn to the Lord through supernatural revelation, through biblical revelation, through general revelation. They will, they will have the opportunity. Let's, let's wrap it up here. Verses 53 through 58. This final portion of Matthew chapter 13. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, his brothers James, uh, Jose, Simon, Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? That's pretty interesting, verse 55, that Matthew includes that. This talks, you know, Jesus had a family. You know, this, this does away with the idea that my Mary, Mary was a, a perpetual virgin. She was not. She saved herself after Jesus was born. Her and Joseph entered into a normal marriage, and they had children. They had children. They had a family. Jesus had brothers and sisters. And it says in verse 57, but the people at Nazareth in verse 57 says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Here in this final portion of Matthew chapter 13 on the the Lord's day, this Sunday, wouldn't we see something tragic? We see the rejection of Christ. You know, many people say, man, if I could just see him, if I could just be there, if I could just hear his words with my ears, I would believe. That would be awesome. No, it's not. We, 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 have, we all have sinful, rebellious hearts. And if there's a way to escape faith in our flesh, and our carnal mind, we will do it just like they did. They saw Jesus. They heard Jesus' words. But they chose to not believe. Sad. It's sad. It's tragic. That God, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke, created the universe into existence. The one that created us and formed us. That he could be speaking these words and the people reject him. So sad. But what is it? What is it? it? It shows our sinfulness. It shows our fallen state. But God in his grace and his mercy offers us his grace, truth, and love if we'll turn to him and open our hearts and say, Lord, I believe. Help help me overcome my unbelief. That's the grace of God. How does Jesus respond in, in this final passage? He refuses to do miracles. You know, unbelievers today cry out for a sign and nothing happens because that is not the way, that's not the way it works. God does not operate through unbelief. God operates through faith and obedience. It's, it's this simple when it, when it comes to this. We take Christ at his word 
and we trust him and we love him and we live our life for him. You know, when we open our Bibles, God is speaking. When we hear his word, God is speaking. When you're doing your morning devotions at 6 a.m. before you go to work or in the evenings before you go to bed and you're reading scripture, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the third member of the Trinity speaking to you. You know, I always tell people, you know, before you open your Bible, say a prayer. Say a prayer and say, Lord, please open my heart. Open my heart to these beautiful truths. You know, he operates through faith and obedience. We take Christ at his word and we trust him. Then, then when we believe, he answers us. He answers our prayers. He performs miracles. Uh, He reveals himself to us in a supernatural way. You know, one of my favorite verses that I first memorized in 1992 as I was studying scripture and developing my relationship with Christ is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, which says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus Christ is seated up on his throne in heaven, a place called the third heaven, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, John chapter 14, Revelation chapter 21. He's on his throne. And when you here on this earth, open your Bible, and you open your heart to him, it is, the Bible is his word coming down from the throne of heaven to you and I. He's given it to us, man. How, how, what if he didn't give us his word and we had to pray and, and try to figure things out? That would be difficult. That would be very hard. Am I hearing from God? Am I not hearing from God? How do I know God's voice? How do I, how do I know when he's speaking? How do I know when he's not speaking? He's made it foolproof for us. We just open it up and read it and let it come to life in us. And when we do that, as we do that, as we continue in our walk with Christ and growing from your, your faith being a mustard seed to a tree, we're all somewhere in between, we grow and we treasure Christ. I ask you this morning in closing, is Christ your treasure? Do you love him more than anything? Is there anything in your life that's more important than him? If so, repent. Say, God, please change my heart. There's this thing I love more. Lord, please change my heart. I confess it to you. Please help my my treasure of who you are and my love for you grow deeper and greater in this life. Secondly, the parable of expansion and growth. Are you growing in Christ? Are you growing in your love? Are you growing in your obedience? Are you growing in your scripture reading? You know, that's where we meet Christ. We, we meet him when we come to his word and we come to our prayer closet. Meet with him in, his prayer, in, your, in your prayer closet. Love him. Trust him and obey him. And looking at all the parables uh, influencing those around us. Are we influencing those around us? Are we touching our children with the truth of God? Are we touching our coworkers? Are we touching those around us? Are we showing people the grace and truth and love of the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay? We're, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be judgmental. 
but show people grace. Show people truth. Show people love. All because Christ is our treasure. And that's what I'm going to pray for now in closing. I'm going to pray that each of us treasure Christ more in this life and that we take these eternal words from the parables of Jesus, that we take them to heart. They're, they're, they're words spoken from before the foundation of the world, words from eternity into time and into our hearts. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this study of the parables. And Lord, help us, Father God, to build our life on this truth and help us to grow in this area of you being the greatest treasure. Help us to understand grace. Help us to understand mercy. Help us to understand truth and love and the reality of your word. And Father, help us to treasure you more than anything, God. And then, Father, help us to grow. Help us to grow in our love for you. Help us to grow in our walk. And, Lord, help us, Father, to influence those around us, from our family to our friends, to everyone around us, Lord. Let us touch this world with grace from heaven, with truth from heaven, with love from heaven, with warnings from heaven. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors for you and to show people this world who Jesus truly is according to your word. I'm just going to let you pray for a second. As Kevin's playing the guitar, maybe the Lord has brought some things to your mind and you need to do business with him. you help us grow help us to grow in our love for you help us to grow in our understanding of you you're an awesome God Holy Spirit work in our hearts this morning in this moment in this very moment orient our hearts towards you